Hi, welcome to the Flesh and Gold Podcast. I'm Jen Beatty. For the fifth episode, I have asked an amazing woman named Jessica Hyde to tell her story. This is why her story is so important. She draws us in and shows us how to love the Lord, how to know Him and rely on Him in the midst of true suffering. Most of us will never come close to experiencing the pain and loss she has endured. However, all of us will benefit from her honesty and the revelation of God's goodness and nearness in the midst of overwhelming pain and physical brokenness. Here's her backstory really quick. Sixteen years ago, as an 18-year-old, Jessica went to the doctor because she couldn't seem to kick a sinus infection. What the doctors discovered would rock her world and change her life. Her sinus cavity and throat were filled with tumor. She was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer that usually affects only older Asian men called nasopharyngeal carcinoma. She was between stages 3 and 4 in the cancer, so an aggressive therapy of chemo and radiation ensued. The good news is that she has been in remission for 16 years, but this is where her story took another turn. The radiation had devastating effects, long-term effects, on her body. In a nutshell, she suffers from some paralysis of the vocal cords and mouth, and that has taken away her ability to clearly speak and even eat. And the radiation has also caused some of the bones in her neck and spine to die off, and she experiences constant nerve pain in her face. Can you even imagine a day of that? But this is what is so unstoppable about her. Jessica's voice, her physical voice, has been a source of major insecurity and raw vulnerability for her. It's a constant struggle, physically and emotionally. Matter of fact, if her family is making a video, she purposely goes silent. And although I will actually read her interview questions for the entirety of this podcast, during the course of the interview process, she came to me one day. She said she felt that the Lord laid it on her heart to record a short introduction for you all to actually hear her. She was so hesitant, but the day after she shared that, she opened up her morning devotion and was literally greeted with the passage of scripture where Moses is arguing with God about not wanting to speak because of his speech impediments. Well, Jessica is not one to back down, so she decided to follow through. Personally, Jessica, I could almost cry happy tears for watching you defy the perfectionistic lie that the world demands of us. You are creating paths for others to walk through, like my daughter, and you are obeying God by sharing your deepest vulnerabilities that some might be set free. So before we begin, I just want to say thank you, Jessica, for being a light and a lover of God and people, for sharing with the world true and sacrificial love, love that is costly and valuable. You are a gift and a dear friend to me and your birthday twin, my witty. My name is Jessica Hyde, and this is my story. My name is Jessica Hyde, and this is my story. It is a story from the sorrow, heartache, fear, and pain. It is a story filled with sorrow, heartache, fear, and pain. But it is also a story for miracles, mysteries, and hope. But it is also a story full of miracles, victories, and hope. My friend, God does not always save us from the disappointment and tragedies of life. My friend, God does not always spare us from the disappointments and tragedies of life. But as his children, he promises that the pain we go through. But as his children, he promises that the pain we go through is not in vain. Is not in vain. My prayer is that in hearing my story, my prayer is that in hearing my story, you will discover that life may be hard. You will discover 
that life may be hard. But God is more than faithful. The first question that I asked Jessica was, "Where were you born? Where did you grow up and go to school? Do you have siblings? Are you guys a close family?" And her response was, "I grew up in Pleasanton, California, where I still live today. I went to school at Valley Christian up until my junior year of high school, where I attended Amater Valley. I was in my first year at Cal State Hayward and working for a recruitment company as an administrative assistant when I received my diagnosis." I have a great relationship with my family. I have awesome parents and a wonderful sister who is seven years older than I am. She is married, and so I have also have a brother-in-law who I think of more like a brother. We have always been close, but going through pain together as a family has made us even closer. We have learned the value of praying together and helping each other, and we are there to cheer each other on. I am not the only one in my family who suffers with pain. My dad fell off of a roof when he was fighting a fire, and he shattered all the bones in his ankle. He has constant pain from that. My sister has been suffering from fibromyalgia and migraines ever since she was young. My mom is the only healthy one in the family, and she has really made it her role to help all of us. That can be physically and emotionally draining at times. Pain, though, has allowed our family to see miracles, and the Lord come through for us in ways that we never would have had we not suffered. That is a gift. The next question I asked Jessica was about her prognosis. What was the prognosis she was given along with her diagnosis, and how did her family and loved ones react to that initial diagnosis? When I was first diagnosed with cancer, honestly, the doctors didn't know my prognosis. Most people who have the type of cancer I have are older, and the doctor told my mom that people have lived 15 to 16 years with my type. She had not heard of anyone living beyond that. The tumor had already started eating away at my bone. They knew the treatment was going to have to be intense because I was in the late stages of cancer. I just went to the doctor the other day, and now I am 16 years cancer-free. I was told that the nerves in my throat are slowly degenerating from the radiation. The doctor said that I could continually to slowly decline, which is how my body has reacted up to this point, or at some point the side effects could plateau and I could stay where I'm at. I could be looking at having to consider a tracheotomy in my future if my nerves and muscles quit working altogether. The truth of the matter is that my life is in God's hands. He alone knows what my future looks like, but He holds my future, and because of that, I can be confident that whatever He has for me, He will give me the grace to handle. When I was diagnosed, my family was in shock and numb from it all. My mom can remember going on a car drive with my dad shortly after I was diagnosed, and my dad was crying all the way there. Now, mind you, my dad is not a crier, but he kept saying, "I wish it was me and not her." My mom had heard many Bible stories and studies about pain and sorrow, but she never thought it would happen to one of her kids. She could see it happening to herself, but not her children. She would sit and cry, not knowing if I would live to see my thirtieth birthday. She was disappointed with the Lord at first, and at times angry because she felt as if He had shocked her. She couldn't see how His plans could fit into her plans of me having a normal life 
Her little girl was having to face a world in which her circumstances were completely out of the norm. The Lord had to remind her of the prayer she had prayed before she got pregnant with me. She remembers telling the Lord, Lord, if I have one more child, make that child into another Billy Graham. Make them someone special for you. She ended up getting pregnant with me shortly after. My mom said that the Lord answered her prayers and has made me into someone powerful for the Lord. I am humble when I hear her say that because I feel so unworthy. But we have all seen how the Lord works in ways that are far beyond our comprehension. As he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. The Lord has made us all see life differently now. We have a more eternal perspective because we see how quickly life can change. He has helped all of us to trust him more and to know that even though there is pain, he is still on the throne. And when the Lord is on the throne, we can rest assured knowing that life will never truly be out of control. Disappointment has turned into gratitude, knowing that my life is not normal, but supernatural. I may not fit in, but may I stand out for Jesus. What was it like for you in that moment as an 18-year-old to hear that you had cancer? Did you experience panic, denial, depression? How did you survive those early days, and what helped carry you through? As an 18-year-old girl, hearing the word cancer honestly left me in shock, too. The things that were on my mind initially were the questions like, am I going to lose all of my hair? Little did I know that my hair was the last thing I had to worry about, even though I did end up losing it. The fact of the matter was that I had no idea as to how this diagnosis would change my life forever. I've heard it said, I wish I knew what was ahead on my journey. It would make life so much easier. Can I just say that I am so thankful that the Lord did not reveal to me all of the trials I was going to have to go through. Had I known at the time of my diagnosis that I would not be able to talk right for the rest of my life here on earth, or that I would be eating by a tube in my stomach, or that 15 years from now I would still be frequenting the hospital at least once a year with pneumonia from aspiration, I would have said, forget it, I can't handle this, Lord, you are asking too much from me. The Lord, in his grace and mercy, takes me through and gives me grace for one circumstance at a time. This is the reason that John 18.4 has become my favorite Bible verse of all time. It says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, stepped forward. Can you imagine that? Jesus knew that his back was going to be broken open with a whip and that the people he created were going to spit in his face and demand his crucifixion. The very hands that created the universe were going to be pierced through with nails, and a crown of thorns was going to pierce his precious brow. He knew every detail about what was about to take place, and yet he stepped forward for me. Oh, the love. At the time of, and all throughout my battle with cancer, I fought with the thought that the Lord was allowing me to go through pain as a source of punishment. 
It seemed as if I always fell short, and I definitely had some character issues that needed work, and so it only seemed rational that the cancer was the Lord using the rod to punish me. It took time, and the Lord was working with me before I realized that cancer was not a punishment. I had to be reminded that the punishment for my sin was paid for at the cross of Calvary. I also struggled many times with doubting my salvation. I was so scared that I would die and the Lord would say, Depart from me, I never knew you. It was truly my worst nightmare. I was facing death head on and Satan used that to get inside of my head and say, Jessica, you can't be saved. Look, you are scared and discouraged and Christians shouldn't be that way. I always worried that I said something wrong in my prayer or that I was deceiving myself into thinking I was a Christian when I really wasn't. And for that reason, every time I would hear a call to accept Jesus, I would pray. Satan had me so bound up in fear that I was not able to just rest securely in Christ. Again, the Lord had to speak into my heart and say, Jessica, your salvation is not based on what you did or how you feel, but it is based on what I did. I finished the work at Calvary. If you trust me and believe me that I came to save you, you are saved and no one can take that away. I have to say honestly that Satan still tries to get me to doubt my salvation, but I look to Jesus and claim his victory and move forward. I asked Jessica about what role the community had in her life. She answered, I have learned that you can't put a price on the value of the family of God. When I was in the waiting room waiting for my diagnosis, literally half of my church was in the waiting room as well. They showed me so much love. They regularly gathered for prayer meetings on my behalf, begging the Lord to get me through. I believe the prayers of the church are what kept me going through the physically unbearable times. They also would come visit me when I was put in the hospital. Seeing how much people cared cheered up my heart. I also learned how important it is to keep yourself connected while you are going through pain and not to let Satan disconnect you from your fellowship. It never failed that on Sunday mornings my nausea would get ten times worse and I would feel absolutely horrible. But I told myself that I was going to drag my body to church so that my soul would get fed. Satan would do everything he could to keep me away, but I would go to church. Even if I was in a wheelchair having to lay down in the back of the room, I would go. And every time I went, I was encouraged so much by the message. I love how you said that you gave the Lord your past, your present, and your future. You mentioned having to hand over some of the desires of your heart, your future, getting married, having a family. I cried when I read that part of your testimony. Would you share with us some of the realities of your personal heartbreaks and disappointments? I have told myself time and again that if it were not for Jesus, I would either have committed suicide by now or I would be living as a hermit, unable to face the realities of my life. At 34 years old, not being able to communicate clearly the thoughts in my head makes me feel trapped inside my own body. No matter how many times I repeat myself, people cannot understand what I say. I cannot even say my own name right. Therefore, introducing myself to someone new brings on anxiety that they will not be able to understand me. 
Just normal things like asking how much something is in the store is an enormous task for me. Plus, I get stared at all the time because of my voice, which makes me feel like some type of alien life form. Besides the fact that I cannot talk very well, I also cannot eat much of anything by mouth. Most of my nutrition comes through tube feeding. This is also a very isolating circumstance. Everything we do as a society is based around food. There is food at birthday parties. There is food at holiday celebrations. When you go to the movies, you got to have popcorn and candy. When you meet your girlfriends, you go out to grab a bite to eat or go to get a cup of coffee. Food is so much a part of our lives that when the ability to eat is taken away from you, you almost feel as if half of your life is cut out. I long to be able to warm up with a cozy hot chocolate or cool off with a refreshing ice cream cone. I long to sit at a restaurant with my family and be able to have my choice off the menu, but that is not a luxury that I have. I feel like I am on a lifelong fast, and that not by choice. Even though my stomach is full, that longing for food just doesn't go away. There are few things I can eat, but when I do, I almost always choke and have to cough it up. That at time leads to something called aspiration pneumonia. I have had several bouts with that, one in which I literally almost died. On the other occasion, I was at a sushi restaurant with some friends, and I choked, which is normal. But this time, I was unable to get it up. All of a sudden, I flagged my friend down, and someone started giving me the Heimlich maneuver. They were unable to get the food out. I eventually passed out. My friend said my whole face was blue, and people thought I had died. My friend cried out to Jesus right there in the middle of the restaurant. The owner of the restaurant just happened to be outside smoking and came in. He started the Heimlich on me being guided by a 911 operator. He tried twice, and it did not work. On the third try, I believe the Lord sent an angel to scoop that food out of my throat, and by the mercy of God alone, I am still alive. The Lord gives me grace to do things and go through circumstances that would never be possible in my own strength. He allows me to be able to endure and to keep going, and for that, I am forever grateful. I have always dreamed that I was going to get married young and have three boys. I don't know why I always wanted boys, but I even had their names picked out, Caleb, Carter, and Cody. I love kids, and I just automatically thought that the Lord was going to give me the life that I dreamed of, but God had other plans. I'm 34 years old, and I live with my parents. Now, let me just say that most people would dread living with their parents at 34, but I do consider it a blessing. My parents are so supportive, and honestly, I couldn't make it through without them. They are always there for me. Every time I get admitted to the hospital, my mom, bless her heart, stays with me so that she can interpret for me if the nurses don't understand. My parents sacrifice so much for me, and I am honored that they don't mind having their 34-year-old kid around. All of my friends that I grew up with, however, are getting married, and most have kids. Their life all took the normal path of growing up, getting a job, getting married, and having kids. My life is totally different, and at times that can make me feel so isolated and left out. Every time another friend would call me up and ask me to be a bridesmaid in their wedding, I would feel joy for them, yet have an aching in my heart at the same time. And when they announced that they were pregnant, even though I was excited for them, I would silently weep inside, knowing that I, more than likely, will never have that experience of carrying a child of my own. I'm not saying that I will never get married, but the Lord has not chosen that path for me right now. So does it hurt? Yes. There are times when I sit on my bed sobbing, telling the Lord my heartaches. Absolutely. 
I have come to learn, however, that those dreams that I had to let go of were just that, my dreams. The Lord, however, knew every second of my life before I was even born. He has greater plans for me than I can ever dream of myself. I have experienced a lot of pain and suffering, but I have also experienced miracles and joy in the sorrow. As I looked at the lives of the people in the Bible that I really admired, and even people today who I consider my heroes, I realized that they are who they are because they suffered, not because they had the dream life that they were hoping for. Joseph had prison. Paul had his thorn in the flesh. Daniel had the lion's den. Moses had the Red Sea. Job had tragedy upon tragedy. Joni Erickson has her wheelchair. Corey Tinboom had her concentration camp. And my friend Catherine Wolfe had a massive stroke when she had a six-month-old son. I'm sure those people did not dream those things would ever happen to them, but the Lord knew that those circumstances would bring about miracles and would change those people into the heroes of faith that they are. I may not have kids of my own, but I have people that I have led to Christ, spiritual children, I call them. The Lord, in his loving kindness, also gave me two of the best nephews anyone could ever ask for. One is seven and the other is four. I was able to be with my sister at almost every single doctor's appointment when she was pregnant, and I was also there when my first nephew was born. I couldn't imagine loving anyone more. I love them as if they were my very own. Because I am on disability, I am able to go over and help my sister homeschool the boys and literally help raise them. I also have the privilege of sponsoring two children through Compassion Program. My little boy is from Tanzania, and my little girl is from Kenya. Through my situation, the Lord is teaching me, and believe me, it is a learning process. He's teaching me what it really means to rejoice with those who rejoice and sorrow with those who sorrow. I used to be a very jealous person, and the Lord is working on me to understand what it really means to be happy for someone else, even if they are getting what I want in my heart, which I was getting. That is one of the hardest things I've had to learn, but I have also learned what it means to truly empathize with people. Everyone has something they are going through, be it emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, and sometimes we miss someone else's heartache because we are too focused on our own. Suffering has really made me have a heart for others and has helped me to reach out more to the hurting and truly have compassion. My heart aches for those who suffer, and that aching makes me pray for people more as well. When you hear the words peace, hope, and joy, what do those three words mean to you now? Peace that surpasses understanding has come to mean something very different to me than I originally thought it to mean. I had this idea that peace was a feeling where your heart felt at rest. Peace meant one lacked discouragement and fear. For this reason, I thought something was wrong with me. I very rarely felt calm and serene. I love Jesus, I trust him, but emotionally I have had many struggles with anxiety, fear, and discouragement. The Lord over time has shown me that true peace is not a feeling, but a fact. I may feel super anxious, but the fact of the matter is that Jesus is in control, and he is Lord even over my emotions. He is able to calm the fear. 
pick me up out of the pit of despair, and keep me going when all my emotions and logic tell me to quit. That is peace that defies human understanding. Peace is the fact that Jesus is working everything out for my good and his glory, despite what I may feel like or what things look like from the outside. Peace is the fact that I have heaven to look forward to even when my circumstances on earth feel hellish. Peace is walking through the fire with my Savior, knowing that he will take me through to the other side. If any of your listeners struggle with fear and discouragement, I want them to know that these are normal emotions for human beings to feel, especially when we are in constant pain or facing tragic circumstances. Jesus knows what we are made of, and he understands our fears. He is not a God that is demanding us to be stoic through our circumstances. In fact, I believe that we as Christians too many times feel like we have to hide our doubts and our fears with a belief that is ungodly to have those emotions. I believe Jesus is just asking us to trust him despite our emotions. Trust that he loves us and that everything he allows in our lives is for our betterment and is done out of pure love. Some of the greatest men and women of God have struggled with depression and discouragement, but the fact of the matter is those emotions never won out in the end. Jesus did. Hope. Jen, when you say the word hope, my mind immediately goes to Jesus. He is my only source of hope. Knowing that my future is not just some roll-of-the-dice game of chance, but that it is held in the hand of a God who loved me so much that he would give his life for me, that's my hope. Knowing that Jesus is refining my character through the fire gives me hope that my pain is just not wasted. I have hope knowing that if the Lord says my trials are light and momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory, that must mean heaven is pretty darn awesome, and I have the hope that for all eternity I will be with my Savior and able to sing praises to Him in a voice undamaged by sickness. Joy The thing that brings me the most joy is being able to share the hope of the gospel with someone who is hurting. Because I've been through a lot of physical pain, a lot of pain in my life. People listen to what I have to say. They want to know how I can still have joy in a situation that seems so despairing. The only answer I can give them is Jesus. But oh, what an answer he is. I always say that even if just one person came to know the Lord, because if I went through, it would be all worth it. And I've had had the opportunity to see my testimony have an impact on more than even one person. I also get joy from seeing how the Lord brings beauty from ashes. I have gone through many heartaches in my life, but the Lord has given me a treasure through each tragedy. Have you ever seen those shows where a team goes in and takes the worst house and turns it into the gem of the neighborhood? God does the same thing with people. He takes the ashes of our lives, the heartaches, the scars, the sorrows, the tears, the things that the world would disregard as rubbish and turns us into a work of art, a masterpiece to be displayed for all the world to see the glory of God. What can I say to follow that up? 
I just want to thank you, Jessica, for taking the time to think about these questions and write them out and just being such a blessing to all of us who hear it today. And I encourage you, if this did bless you, if you were impacted by her story, please take the time to reach out to her and tell her how it impacted you. You can reach Jessica at fleshandgold at gmail.com, and you can see pictures from her journey and read more about her story at www.fleshandgold.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I'm Jen Beatty.